is Sober Reference. You're listening to A Sober Story, digestible conversations filled with evidence that you can do anything without picking up a drink. We share more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com, and hope you'll connect with us on social media. Search Sober Reference now and look for our logo. For more information about today's guest, visit our show notes. We hope you find this content valuable and leave feeling inspired to drink less, live more, and meet your potential. Enjoy. So I want to hear a little bit about your experience with dress. I mean, you just shared a little bit with us, like hardworking, kind of classic, perhaps type A, workaholic, sought validation through doing and achieving and how um, that comes with stress. Lots of responsibility, lots on your plate, probably overscheduled equals stress. I want you to talk just a tiny bit about what solution you use and in sobriety, how you do things a little bit differently in terms of managing stress that allows you to actually create the outcome, the life, the balance that you've been craving. Yeah. And my drinking, I like to say it started with stress, but at the same time, it really started with heartbreak, which I turned to drinking which created the stress, which then, because of my history, I learned to achieve to gain love for my parents. So when the more I put on my plate, the more I learned when we get this conditioning from a very young age, from the movies we see, from going to a baseball game, from adults or parents we see, whatever, that, oh, drinking can help me relax. Drinking can help take away all of this stuff that's going on in my head, all of these racing thoughts, all of this tension that I'm having. So when I was working nonstop, or even when I felt nervous before going to a social event, because I'm a classic introvert, I would drink and it would help me wind down and loosen up just like they sold me on. But what they didn't tell me was that I'm going to get a huge spike in cortisol the next day. And the more that I did that, and at night is usually when I would feel triggered. I would have that glass of wine or bottle, two bottles as the later years happened. I started to rely on and I started to need it where it wasn't even stress. I was just using it to feel normal. And during that time, I had been to psych stays and all of this for anxiety of what's going on. Little did I know later when I read this naked mind, oh my God, this was a huge factor in my anxiety and stress. And so now I question, was that really anxiety or was that my drinking causing the anxiety? Because I was doing it for so long and until I really needed it to even feel normal. So I was using stress and when I was drinking to manage overwhelm, to manage stress, to manage burnout 10, 12, 13 years ago. And then now, once I really realized this, even in sobriety, I did not know this, which I really, really am an advocate for information, right? Making an informed decision. People need to know what they're putting into their body before they make that choice of it's not going to help you relax or it will for 20 minutes, but then you have to pay the price of tomorrow and the next day of having a huge spike of cortisol. So now... And I'm huge into this. It's really about managing stress on a consistent basis with these real acts of self-care, of really taking care of myself and making it a point to do that work first thing in the morning, not where I overdo it, because I dabbled into over-exercise of thinking that would help me calm down if I just ran a lot. But now it really begins when the rest of the world is sleeping. So that's why I wake up at 4.45 a.m. 
And I put the most important work I do is the work I do on myself. And that starts at 4.45 a.m. And I have two hours of starting my day with meditation. So starting my day by focusing on my breath, which is so, so key, which I've really implemented since the pandemic. When my tools that I was using, I needed to implement new tools because there was more stress there with distance learning uncertainty, all of that. So meditation became key. And then I start with readings. And then I do my gratitude work. I write down five things I'm grateful for from the last 24 hours. And I really value that because it really gets into the detail of what went well yesterday. And so it's really helped to change my mindset. And that really helps with anxiety of looking at things and seeing the good of what's going right instead of constantly looking for what's not, of being grateful for what we already have. And then I I do my my exercise. I'm a real big advocate for exercise. And it's one of the best anti-anxiety medications and therapy you can implement. And you just need your body. If you're physically able, you can go outside and go on a walk. You can do yoga. You can stretch. You can walk. You can run. You can do weightlifting. And I like to switch it up all the time. But that has been instrumental in managing my stress. Or when I do feel overwhelmed, I move my body. Because I know I'm going to feel so good after. And it gives me that mental break to not think about all the stuff that's going on, to actually just focus on my breath and do something hard and then produce a natural form of endorphins to help me feel better. And it's not going to cure everything, but it's going to help me manage it that much more and help me get into a better mindset. And there's a whole host of things that I do from essential oils, which I actually just sniffed before this podcast. And this is my go-to from Young Living called Peace and Calming. It's a real big, I'm really big on senses. So it really just calms me down in the instant. Sleep is huge. Making sure I prioritize sleep. I don't work late at night. I give myself a cutout time because I know if I'm sleep deprived, I'm going to be irritable. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to yell at my kids and that doesn't do anyone any good. So making sleep such, such a priority. I drink calming tea. So I'm actually having it right now. It's such a routine for me now of when things make me nervous or maybe at bedtime to help calm myself down before bed. It's something that just feels comforting. And these aren't big things, but these are things that you can take with you. And when I say these stress management tools, I really stress that it's not about doing and implementing these things when life gets hard. It's when you're in the off season, when things are going great, that's when we need to keep consistent with it. It's about doing these things even on the weekends. I mean, giving yourself a break too, but also knowing that the more consistent you are, the better able you show up when life gets hard. You're going to be better able to manage it because you've been practicing these tools on a consistent basis. So over time, you're going to be at a much better place. And things like making sure I don't overschedule myself, that is a huge trigger for me. And my husband points it out, setting boundaries, setting boundaries with people, setting boundaries with places, setting boundaries with my phone, setting boundaries with my kids, which is, I think, the hardest thing <laughs> is saying no to my kids because seeing their faces. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say no. So it's something I'm working on. But setting boundaries, saying no to someone else is saying yes to yourself. So choose to place yourself, um, the people you surround yourself with. You have a choice in that. And especially my morning routine, that's something that's consistent. That when I don't do it, I feel off during the day. It's something you can control. You can control your mornings unless you have a newborn 
where sleep is obviously your number one. But if you don't have young kids and they're sleeping through the night, it's really that pro being proactive about your day, being proactive about if you suffer from anxiety, if you have stress, being proactive about your day. Because if you can do that morning work, that intentional work, and it doesn't have to be hours, it can be 20 minutes, it can be 15 minutes, even just start 10 minutes, set your alarm for 10 minutes earlier, do a reading, breathe for a minute, write three things you're grateful for, and then maybe do some sit-ups or some stretches and then start there and then do it the next day and maybe add on five minutes. But I really learned about that when I started this personal development journey five years ago of how important your mornings are. Because what I hear so often from clients is that they get to that 4 to 5 p.m. hour, 8 p.m. hour when kids go to sleep and they're so exhausted that they just want to escape. They don't want to think. And that's what we don't want to happen. That there's so many other tools that we can use, but your nighttime starts in the morning of how you're going to feel at night starts with that morning intention. What I'm hearing you share is that you've built up this toolbox kind of beginning of the day, middle of the day, evening of things that have now integrated into your life that work for you to maintain a level of balance and um, stress management. So all of what you've just shared in to someone who doesn't currently practice those tools, it sounds like super overwhelming. Do you have any other tips about, you know, starting small or adding here and there that might be useful for people who really just can only take a bite right now? Yeah. So check out, have you read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear? Yes. Start there. He also has some free podcasts. He's all over. He has this thing called the two-minute rule. So before a habit can be improved, it has to be established. So you have to establish that you can first do this thing before you can add on time. So you got to prove to yourself that you can keep your word. And so often people set these unrealistic goals, just like I did, of all of these things that they want to get done. And I'm going to do go to my nutrition. I'm going to get sober. I'm going to do fitness. No, 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 no. If you kick too many balls, you're going to get burned out and quit. And then you're confirmed that you're a failure that see, I can't do it. But if you can start small, it sounds so simple and so cheesy, but start with two minutes of whatever you want to do. You can take exercise, stretch for two minutes, meditate for two minutes, drink tea for two minutes, whatever, all of these things, try it for two minutes. And that's what I give the women in my group. If, if, if 10 minutes, 20 minutes is too much, start with two minutes. Yeah. It may sound silly, but you got to prove to yourself that you can show up for yourself first. So do that. And what you you described before is called habit stacking, which he talks about. So stack that habit, that new habit that you want to implement onto something else. So maybe that's your morning coffee or morning tea. So every single morning, maybe you make some lemon water. After I drink my lemon water, I'm going to move my body for two minutes and that will create the visual cue. Okay, now it's time to do this and start there. So after a week, if you show up and you do that and you prove to yourself that you can do it, then you can improve it. But you have to establish that. I'm listing all of these things because I've been working at it for many years. And now it's just a habit where I don't think about making a tea. I just do it because it's what I've always done. I don't think about putting essential oils on my wrist because I've established it as a habit and it's helped me. And it's like it's on autopilot. So you do these habits so your brain can think less. Mm -hmm. So you can open up space to implement some new habits that will help you to be the person that you'd like to become, to make life a little bit easier. So name that one habit you'd like to do, stack it on top of another habit that you already done. Maybe it's after lunch, you do this. After lunch, I go on a walk. That's what I do now. I stacked it onto my lunch. So do that two minutes and then you can improve it.
I love what you said about integrity, essentially. We, we need to show ourselves that we can keep our word. Because I know for me, that lack of self-trust, it was such a barrier to my sobriety. Because I had tried to not drink yesterday, and then, then I drank. And so I thought, you know, I had zero willpower, zero integrity, and I couldn't trust myself. And what we learn in sobriety is to trust ourselves. How do we do that? How do we learn what integrity means to practice? It's small, small little things. And that is how we start to build our self-esteem. That's how we start to, to love who we are. And, you know, it, as you said so many times, like it seems like the most elementary, small, silly little thing, but take it from two adult women, those little things are what make you the person that you want to be. That what gets you to the mountaintop. Um, Start small and take it slow. Thanks for listening to Sober Reference. We hope you found this content valuable and are leaving feeling inspired to drink less, live more, and meet your potential. You can find more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com. We hope that you'll connect with us on social media, search Sober Reference now, and look for our logo. Great job taking in sober positive content today. Until next time, this is Sober Reference, and we are so glad that you're here.